Welcome to Incubate This, where technology and business come together to help startups start up. Brought to you by gotanappidea.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Incubate This, uh, sponsored by gotanappidea.com. Today, there's been a lot of stuff in LinkedIn lately about work culture. Um, there's a lot of companies that are, you know, like big companies on sort of a national international stage that are trying to figure out how to create better retention and how to make people more happy and more engaged, more satisfied in their jobs. And all of this stuff sort of speaks to work culture. I mean, that's sort of what we call it. Um, work-life balance. And so... We wanted to talk about this a little bit, talk about some of the strategies that are out there and ultimately just sort of get some viewpoints on what is this really and how much does it really matter? Is it, is it a bandaid for something else? Um, so some of the strategies uh, that I've heard recently, one of them, and in fact, a, a friend of mine who owns uh, a company here in town that's, they do fractional um, sales like a fractional um, um, CMO, fractional sales kind of kind of roles, building sales teams in big organizations. She actually offers unlimited PTO, which is typically a strategy that a larger company can can do. She's got like six employees, but she offers this, and she says it works. Now, my question is: Does she also require that they take that they use? some PTO? I don't know. Um, I know that that's also a thing where, where, and you know, as a, as a, when I was, when I was a manager, one of the things that I did was we had, I don't remember, we started with two weeks and then everybody added a week till they got to like six or something, I think at that company. And these guys actually worked with me there. Um, and after my first like six months, I realized there were a bunch of people who had been at the company way longer than I had working for me who hadn't taken a vacation in years. And I, I actually started asking them like, well, you have all this vacation time sort of stored up. Because they didn't, they, di- they didn't have a use it or lose it policy. No, they didn't. They just would store it up and, yeah. you know, you could bank up to eight weeks, I think. And so most of them, when it would start getting close to eight weeks, they'd take a few days or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking and one of the gals, she said, she said, well, I almost never see the owners of the company take vacation. I almost never see any of our managers take vacation. So I feel like if I do it, I'm risking my job. And I was like, okay, that's a huge problem. Yeah. So I organized my entire life. It took me like four, four months to set it up. And I took two weeks off. I had no cell phone. I had no computer. I had no email. And before I went and when I got back, I was like, I'm doing this because I want you to see no one is in it is, is so indispensable that you can't have a life. Was that when you guys went on the cruise? Yeah. 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 We went, we went, we went on a cruise that started in Italy and ended up in Croatia. And we spent a couple extra days in Italy and a couple extra days in, in Croatia. And after that, a few of those people actually did take vacations and I was, I was like, okay, so it's fine to have unlimited PTO and to say, just be responsible and make sure that your duties are managed and all of that. But 
how much do people have fear around the consequence of actually taking it? Little do you know that while you were gone, it was like that scene in Airplane when they announced that the, there was no food left. It was bedlam <laughs> no. inside the office. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're right. It was fine. Yeah. Did, yeah. I, I don't remember. Did people start taking more vacations after mm-hmm. that? Did they? Yeah. Our, one of our best project managers, she finally took like a week off and went with her kids somewhere before they started back to school. And, um, <clears throat> Yeah, it was there. There was a bunch of people who used two or three weeks of their vacation before the end of that year. But that that, that bringing that about back around that highlighted the culture there, and I don't. I, I would guess it was unintentional because the the reality was is the two founder, the two owners did take vacations. I saw they them. did. What's interesting about that particular culture is there was a lot of stuff that was unintentional. One of the things being you could sort of just like float along at average level of productivity and like it was just okay. So in, in some cases beyond below beyond average. Beyond below average. And it was like, oh, whatever. It's just, you know, fine. <laughs> which is which is not good for your culture. Talking no. about anybody? Yes. Yeah, a few people. Um, which is, you know, if, if culture is important to you. And I think that was the unintentional piece there is I don't know that they gave a whole lot of consideration to culture. I don't think there. they did at I, all. I mean, I think they did more after you left. They yeah. made a few changes. You know, I think their intent was good, but I don't think they understood. I, I think it seemed to me. and Everybody it's, gets a mentor. Yeah, exactly. It seems to me like there's a lot of companies that maybe they're talking about work culture. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're looking at policies that they think are intended to have people stay longer or be happier in their jobs. And maybe they do or maybe they don't. But there's a lot of like unintentional culture Mm -hmm. where it's like the byproduct of the things you choose to care about and you say you care about versus the versus the things that you actually talk about all the time. Right. Like that particular company, they started talking about culture like they cared about it. But what they actually talked about and all of the metrics and all the things you were measured against was all about billable hours. Mm hmm. Nobody loves to have their life be about billable hours. It's just not inspiring. It's not, I don't care. They, did, they, did, they weren't able to see the disconnect between billable Work hours culture and, and what we culture. need to survive, which is billable hours. Right. Like, how do you bring those two things together? Right. Which is not an easy thing. No, it's not. But that's what actual work work culture is. Right. Is how those two things come together. That right. thing in the middle, that is your culture. Yeah. So my question is, so, so unlimited PTO was one, um, remote working Mm -hmm. is another one. And we see this, like, it's like this, yeah, butts and chairs. It's like this pendulum and it seems to swing back and forth depending on the mood of whoever is in charge at the moment. Right. Which is Cambridge Analytica is. Cambridge Analytica is that's right. They are in charge. Let's, let's see what they think about remote work. The phenomenon here is how much do you trust people to actually be getting their job done versus how much you care about the methods and modes and means by which they do the job? Because I don't care if your butt's in a chair or you're working remote. If your job isn't getting done, your job's not getting done. It doesn't matter. If the thing matters more to me that your butt's in the chair and I don't care that your job's getting done as long as your butt's in the chair, it's a whole different thing. 
remote work actually isn't going to fix that problem. Right. <laughs> still not the work getting done, right? I don't know. I've, I've always felt like if you're hiring people that you can't trust to say, this is the job that I need done. And I, you know, working with them to establish parameters to say, you know, I'm not going to say you need this work done by this date. And if it's unreasonable, I don't care. That's why you're working at home. So you can work 24 right. seven, <laughs> you know, that's also doesn't get the job done. But if, if you're not hiring people who you can reason, make reasonable expectations of and trust them to fulfill their side of the deal, it does not matter where their butt is while they're doing it. Right. Right. So it almost seems like I think there are times when having people in the room is certainly more useful. I mean, Grant's experiencing this right experiencing this right now. We're sort of at a juncture with a project that we really all kind of thought was done. And then they sort of threw a wrench in the works and we had all kind of started moving on to other things. And now we're trying to figure out how to, you know, and that's not something that's easy to do when everybody isn't in the room together because we have to come up with a strategy and we need to, we have to support each other a little bit more to get this thing done and get that over the finish line because it looks different now. Right. So there are times when working remotely serves a purpose and there are times when having people in the room serves a purpose. So it's not an all or nothing either. Right. And I think that's part of the reason why offshore teams are so difficult to make work because you never have the face-to-face -face time. You know, having, having a, we used to work at a company called MX Logic here in town. All three of us worked there. They had what they called core hours. And so I forget what they were even like Friday. Nine to three. Nine to three. Okay. So from nine to three, people were in the office and that was usually Monday through Thursday, right? Like most people opted to just work from home the whole day on Friday. Everybody knew that they scheduled all their meetings. They like made sure that they found the people they needed to talk to during those times. And then if at three o'clock they went home and worked for another few hours from home, they were heads down getting their work done because they had their questions answered. They had what they needed. Mm -hmm. So it, it honors the fact that sometimes people are better at setting up their environments to be productive. You know, I'm one of those people that when I'm heads down working on code or something, I need background noise. But it's a particular kind of background noise, which just happens to be served by having a television show playing in the background. I can't listen to music. Mm. So there see, was I'm the opposite. I, it, if the television's on. See, I can't listen to music. I'm a musician. Right. I write songs. I sing. I learn music. So what happens is there was a guy who and I used turn to wash a machine to spin cycle <laughs> and then sit on top of it. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> um. There was a guy who used to sit next to me at MX Logic and he played his music over his speakers. Oh, I was and say, I, I got used to sit next to you, but that was nothing wasn't me. done. Yeah. That would drive me crazy. Because my brain, the minute it starts hearing music, it's thinking about, oh, what key is this in? And where's the harmonies for that melody? And oh, that was an interesting chord progression in that bridge. Like, how would how did that work? Like that's not what I'm familiar with, or uh, like chord structures and and right you know, the, the form of a song and, oh, that's weird. Like that song, uh, Abacab by Genesis. Yeah. Where Abacab came from. It's literally the structure of the song. Is it? Yeah. They do a verse, then they do a chorus and then they do a verse and then they do a bridge and then they do a verse and then they do another bridge. It's like, and they didn't have any lyrics when they did the song. They just thought it was really cool the way the things. And so they named it Abacab and they came up with these words that mean nothing, huh. but see how my brain like goes right. down that road. 
I got nothing done when he was sitting there. Yeah. And it was really frustrating. And so anyway, what I'm saying is remote work works if people are responsible for actually getting their work done. You can't solve that problem by having somebody's ass in the chair. Right. And in fact, in that situation, you would have been more productive at home. Yes. Remote working than you yes. would have, but in chair. But yeah. I'm, I, depending on when you were there, you may have had a boss who didn't trust you and would do things like, I am you. Hey, you there? And as soon as you responded, you would never hear anything from him. And yeah. we all realized he was doing that just to see if we were yeah. in front of our we computers. We actually had two bosses who did that crap. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I think I only had one of them. The yeah. First one. But yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to, you got to trust them, you know, I I guess trust, but verify. Yeah. I mean, if someone's not producing, it's probably going to be pretty apparent pretty quickly. So then, then you deal with that on on a case by case basis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to assume that everybody that is in the office is going to be at their peak productivity, especially in this day and age, this is what kills me about corporate culture (laughs) in this day and age where the, where the trend is, just stick everybody in these rows of tables in this open room, which yeah. I can't imagine a worse yeah. scenario, a worse situation for productivity. Yeah. If you want people to be productive, yeah. you, you don't put them all at a, at a table at, at these long tables yeah. and say, focus. Yeah. How could you possibly? Yeah, I know. I know. How could it's, anybody it's like, possibly? It's like sitting kids at a cafeteria table for lunch and saying, don't talk. Right. We <laughs> all know it never works, right? <laughs> and so now you're putting a stoplight up and when it gets red, everybody has to stop talking. Uh, what are some what are some other things that people kind of try and throw around as like work culture implementation things that you can think of? Trying to think. Um I was trying to think because, I mean, does like maternity leave fall into one of these? Is that something that's sort of like work culture? I don't to me that's more of a moral thing. I mean mm-hmm. I think paternity leave, the one the ones who also mm. let new fathers out, that's very cult I would think would lean even more culturally because it, it does lean culturally right now, although my personal opinion is that that's every bit as important as maternity leave. Yeah, I leave. agree with you. I agree um, with you. I was trying to think Zappos is, is often touted as sort of this, you know, they're famous for their work culture and, you know, they're famous for their employee happiness. Oh, really? Yeah. What do they do? Um, that's what I was trying to think Nitrous of. Nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide. <laughs> they just pipe it straight into the building. I mean, the, cause all of the, all the, all the work cultural things are, some of them are really benefits. Some of them are really nice. Some of them are really boons. A lot of them are, I'm fooling you. Right. right. Making you think that you've got this great workplace because I'll leave a basket of snacks on the counter. Huh. Oh God, my employer pays for stuff there I can munch on. Yeah, that's really great. How much of that, you know, did that cost? How much would it cost you to just go to the store and buy it? Yeah. It's like, it's like the, you know, we need everybody to stay late tonight because we're coming to the end of the iteration and we've got to finish these things. Uh, I'm buying pizza. Yay! <laughs> like, you know, it's like suddenly people don't mind sticking around for an extra three hours and really they could have stopped and got a pizza. Yeah, on exactly. The way home. For five bucks, have you go to Little Caesars? <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, when people are throwing stuff at you that you could do that for yourself pretty easily and yet it's, 
my workplace is so great. They bought us pizza because we stayed three hours late. (laughs) And I'm not saying it's bad to do that. It's nice. And, and, and I think that there's plenty of people who acknowledge on the surface that, that they're doing that, that they're manipulating. I'll buy pizza guys. Okay. You know, um, but it's when those, when they, you know, we worked for a guy that just, you know, thought that his company was the be all end all because you could bring your dog to work. And this is only like 10 years after everybody was already letting you bring your dog to work. They had a basket of snacks in the break room. He thought that was just like, you know, like they're going to be voted number one place to work in Denver. And it's like uh, the last player I worked at would send somebody once a week down to Costco and come back with four or $500 worth of stuff every week. Yeah. So don't. Tell me that your beef jerky and your your little gummy yeah. bears is <laughs> you know makes this the Denver's number one workplace. Has food has food in the workplace like that killed the vending machine industry? Because <laughs> may have because I wow. remember early on we had vending machines. Yeah, and you had to pay, and you had to pay. Yeah, yeah. you put in your. 50 they may have subsidized it a little bit, but yeah. you still had to pay. Yeah, that's uh. that's funny too. Yeah, it probably killed a lot of mom and pop. People are like, crap, I'm going to get my machine out of <laughs> here Which is now. probably not a bad thing because I remember being my cubicle, which I thought was bad at the time. Uh, my cubicle was within like 10 feet of one of those vending machines. And all I heard all day long was Cha-ching, people, cha-ching, yeah, cha-ching. Like, yeah. Oh. This is obnoxious. <laughs> so I, I want to ask the question because most of these posts I see have led me to wonder is this focus on work culture a way of covering up the fact that if you have bad leadership, there's nothing you can do to fix that problem, but we're going to try anyway. (laughs) I mean, we've seen people stay at companies that have none of this kind of stuff because their boss gets them Mm -hmm. because leadership is, is loyal is good, values them highly. Mm-hmm. So is, is this, this focus on work culture an attempt by companies who all have good leadership to distinguish themselves? Or is it an attempt by companies who can't fix their leadership problems for whatever reasons to try and entice you to come anyway? <laughs> I think it's both. And yeah. I think the first guys do it. And then the second, the second group of people say, we want to be as good as them. And we want people to be as happy as they would be working for them. And they think it's that stuff fixing. Well, they're two separate tracks and, you know, fixing the, the hierarchies, fixing the, that side of things is a lot harder than saying, you know what, guys, we're going to start bringing in lunch, catering lunch on Fridays yeah, for everybody, yeah, you know, and the unspoken thing is because we know right now the jobs are kind of crappy and a lot of you aren't happy about some things. So we're going to try to do something we can. And, and I, mm. I don't think there's, you know, I don't think it's bad to do it. It's, it's sort of like saying, you know, we've got, there's multiple factors going on here and, and we can fix some easily and some are not easy to fix and mm. take a lot of thinking and a lot of soul searching, but this is something we can throw at you. And I think, you know, I think it's a nice thing. Well, I mean, but like, like it's a thing now, but I go back to storage tech. Okay. This was the nineties. And the wellness center on campus was a huge gym with everything you could possibly want at a gym, you know, a track, swimming pools, racquetball, tons of weights. They had an eye doctor in that wellness center. So when you wanted to get your, your annual eye exam, 
you go down to the wellness center. They had a dentist down there that could do certain work. They had a haircut lady that came out once a week and they had a dry cleaner that came out every few days. And they had restaurants in most of the main buildings that were subsidized by storage tech so that you could go down and get a really nice custom cooked lunch for $4 instead of $8. Uh. And this was in the nineties. And so, you know, like these are wonderful things to have. They really were. Um, But I also saw from the, you know, the cynical side of me says, Hey, if you can keep people on site for lunch, you're going to get more work out of them because they don't have Mm. that driving time and that, Oh guys, well, it's about one 30. We ought to be heading back. Yeah. Cause when you're down eating on just eating in the same building on a different floor with a bunch of your coworkers at the same table, it's kind of like, ah, you know, you be, it's not even, you know, been an hour yet, but we finished eat cause we didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah. We finished eating. We've been talking for 15, 20 minutes. Eh, and back to my desk. And you know, that's what I saw was that they kept people on campus mm. for all these various needs. You don't have to go anywhere. So it's sort of like the cynical, you can say, well, they're manipulating people and getting more productivity at them, but the people are agreeable to it. It's like, I would rather work an extra one hour a week instead of traveling to and from lunch when I can just go downstairs and get lunch. And it's cheaper. I'd rather do that. Yeah. So everybody wins. Google does a lot of that stuff. They're, they, um, have a site up in Boulder now and I was up there a few weeks ago visiting a friend of mine and then a couple of weeks later um, for an event for uh, that they sponsored my, the charity that I'm on the board of um, the nonprofit. Uh, we were one of the groups that they sponsored. And so we were there and yeah, they have the, the five-star chefs and, you know, they had like breakfast in the morning until a certain time. And then between breakfast and lunch, they have like all these snacks and stuff. I mean, and then they have lunch and then they have dessert hour, which is like after lunch until they start serving dinner. It's like dessert and stuff in there. Really? I mean, and then they do dinner yeah, and then they have dessert after dinner. Sometimes and going downstairs and getting breakfast. Cause I'm not always a breakfast person, but yeah. there's times when you wait and, and those getting in, you know, coming in at 45 minutes early, going downstairs and getting eggs and bacon and some biscuits and then, you know, being able to walk up to your desk right afterwards, not to go anywhere. Yeah. Just take your tray to the trash can and take the elevator up to your desk and, yeah. like, eh, and, some coffee now and I can get to work after a little nap. So you guys are very skilled developers, employees that anybody would love to have. How much do things like this attract you to a place versus not? I mean, how much does something like that make a difference when you're making a decision one one position or one company over another really like honestly me personally it's much more about the team and about who i'm going to be reporting to mm-hmm. uh, the point i was going to make earlier which kind of touches on what you were saying is i would be surprised that that there were a lot of people that quit because their company didn't have a nice enough culture for them mm. Almost nine times out of 10, I would venture to say if someone quits, it's because they have a bad leadership or they have a bad manager. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So that's what I, you know, if, when I was on the job market, that's what I was looking for. I was looking at the team. I was looking at the manager and the culture's great. You know, the perks are great, but you know, I've, I've worked at those companies, you know, I've worked at a company that had a restaurant downstairs and mm-hmm. it was great, you know? we still went out to eat sometimes because yeah. this restaurant has the same food all the time and we don't want to eat the same food every day. 
Um, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to, that wasn't a, a wasn't huge a decision, decision maker for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I used to love when they tell me I could bring my dog to work. I'm like, what about my cat? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why can't you bring your dog. cat to work? Or well, your... Cats are discriminated against all over the world. <laughs> People are dogists. Because <laughs> you go to, you go to the grocery store. There's a whole aisle, dog food, dog, dog stuff all the way down. The cat cat stuff gets a half of one side down at the end. Of a shelf. <laughs> the people are totally against cats. Cats get a bad rap. <laughs> Daryl's like, I hate my cat. <laughs> Not my cat. <laughs> I hate my wife's cat. <laughs> uh, uh, so what about for you, Grant? Like, how much would that influence your decision? Say you have two jobs, equal pay similar types of companies, similar types of like, how much does that weigh your decision? Well, I think what you were just starting to describe there is where it would make a difference is where I can't, I can't come up with, um, you know, I can't decide based on all the other stuff. Yeah. Like all things well, being equal, you know, I'm both the people who interviewed me. I really like them and the stuff they're working yeah. on is real cool. I met with some of the other team members, you know, everything is, you know, pluses all the way up. And this guy offers free food in the break room and this guy doesn't. Yeah. That's where I'm going to go. So I can see in a lot of cases, I can see where, again, going back to the idea that a lot of the important stuff is hard to change. Yeah. It's hard to fix a lot of the really important stuff. But, you know, if it, and because I may not be able to do that, if I can throw in some of these perks that may woo you when you are 50, 50 on. Yeah. On, I don't know whether I'd want to go there or not. Um, yeah. But I've always been kind of like, you know, psh, perks, you know, as long as there's a co coffee. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, and, <laughs> yeah. And Grant actually, loves his coffee. I have actually worked at places where there wasn't coffee supplied. I don't even understand. Where they that. did not have coffee makers and you had to buy your, uh, buy your coffee. You had to go somewhere and buy coffee. And I was just like, that's an OSHA violation, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I don't have the caffeine, I'm going to hurt myself here in the office. And then we got a whole workers comp thing going. But I thought I, to me, that was like, that was a rejection. I, I mean, mm. I, I rejected those people, those, those, those work situations. And I told him, I said, this is just, you know, beyond the pale, basically. It's as if you didn't have a bathroom. Yeah. For employees and that yeah. they had to go next door and use the gas station bathroom. Yeah. To me, it's like there are certain things you got to supply and you ought to have a refrigerator where I can put my lunch. Right. Right. Um, but when it gets beyond that of like, look at all our snacks and look, you know, you look at all the dogs wandering around. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like, eh, you know, I don't I don't really care because I can easily go out and buy those snacks. It's not that much. But. I mean, it weighs a little bit. It's a nice, if everything else is looking good, that's at the end of the interview, one of those, oh, really? Cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Cause I have, we have worked at places where they catered oh, lunches yeah. once a oh, week yeah. or so, right? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I have. Yeah. Sure. That was, and that, that was, was sweet. Nice, yeah. You know, when you, especially, you know. Not for me, cause they almost never gluten's. think about the glutards in the group, but <laughs> whatever. But I, I always thought that was, I always hated the deal where I'd go out to lunch with people and I'd get back and it'd be right after there was some fancy meeting where they had all the catered stuff that was left over and they bring it into the break room. And, and there's like, like, oh man, there's like, you know, big buck, big tins of Chipotle shredded meat and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, I just no, went I'm out and ate hungry. lunch. <laughs> yeah. Let me know when you're going to be bringing all this stuff. <laughs> I won't go eat. Uh, so 
for our entrepreneurs, since this is Incubate This, which is typically geared towards helping entrepreneurs do better, mm -hmm. at what point in an entrepreneur's journey does this start, stuff start to become important? At what point do you start thinking about your work culture? Is it only when you have an office and you have a certain number of paid on the payroll employees or is it's after your first suicide. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we got to start then doing something now. The culture. Now we're starting to lose people. Oh, we're, start, we're starting to literally lose <laughs> people. <laughs> I mean, one of, one of the things that I always tell people um, is it's never too early to start an ambassador program. Yeah. You know, and that, that doesn't speak necessarily directly to employees or people working on your team, but it's all kind of part of the same thing, which is listening to people who are fans of yours or finding people who are fans of yours and having them be part of your brand, right? Like having them be part of your strategy overall for how you interact with the world. So... I mean, there's three of us that we have contractors we work with and we have referral partners and we, you know, there's more people that contribute to the success of our company. But right now there's three of us. I still think it's important and we're all owners. So we all, we all live and die by whatever decisions we make, you know, so sometimes it's so I, only I'm to blame for my corporate culture. Is that that's right. <laughs> But I'm saying, My I think my boss sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh wait, I suck. Shoot. Um, but I still feel like it's important for us, you know, and, and we make those decisions together because it impacts the bottom line a lot more when you're a very small company like we are right now. But um, I still think there's value in, because all of it seems to point to how you respect the people you work with and how you interact with them and how, how you place trust in each other. And I think, you know, I think all of us would agree that that plays so much more into the resulting policies and, and perks that come out of that we describe as a work culture, right? I think a lot of, I mean, I would imagine a lot of companies, a lot of entrepreneurs go into it like, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm starting this company because I don't want to work for someone else. Mm. And I didn't like the way they ran things. I want to do things differently. So they go into it knowing what their culture a little bit, right? They have yeah, ideas sure, before sure. they've ever hired anybody. Sure. And we've talked about that. We've yeah. talked about some of the things that we, we would like to have once yeah. we, once we uh, have more employees. But so, you know, I don't think you, I, I don't think you have to give it a, give it a whole lot of thought purposefully because you already are most likely, yeah. you know, my, my last boss, he never let me do X yeah. or whatever. So I'm going to let employees do that. Yeah. And where you have to give it some thought is, was he a good boss? Maybe he didn't let you do X for a reason. Right. And, you know, I don't know, you try and I it out. I think that's the thing for me out of this whole conversation is you can do a lot to set yourself apart when you're hiring people in terms of benefits and perks and these things like, like Grant was saying. Who you hire way more important. Yep. And maybe that's how you attract the right kind of people is by having those kind of things. But having the right people working for you, working with you, being the kind of leader who is worth following and who is worth, who people are willing to say, Absolutely. yeah, I'll stay for that extra three hours because I know this is important. And I know that, I know that you recognize my contribution in a way 
that matters to me. Mm-hmm. I think that's way more important place to start. And also, let's be honest, sometimes money talks. Yes. I remember, you know, the, the guy that gave me my first real tech job, loved this. I haven't seen him in 20 years. Loved this guy to death, right? Yeah. I remember one night, me and another guy stayed late. We had to stay late for, I don't even remember what it was. We, we, we were there until like nine or 10, maybe, maybe even midnight. I don't know. Yeah. We, were, we were there late. We were young. We didn't have families. The next day, Steve comes in and he gives us both a hundred dollar bill. A hundred dollars. Yeah. You know, it's a hundred dollars. That meant the world to me to yeah. the degree that here it is 20 plus years later and, and I still remember it. framed on his wall. I still have it framed <laughs> on my wall. Yeah. Yeah. I got bonuses for a couple projects um, at MX Logic that, and the nice thing about them was they were not, there was no talk about bonuses. No. That's the thing is when, you know, if you're offered a bonus and you work towards it, that's one thing. But when, you know, you get when to the end of a project of and things came together well and your manager says, Hey, by the way, you know, there's going to be an extra this much in your paycheck. It's like, it doesn't matter how much it is. It's like, it's the recognition. I totally did not expect this. And you're really telling me that you recognize. Now the flip side of that is I never got bonuses there. And there's probably a reason for that, that I'll take responsibility for, but I did get a raise once and I didn't know I got a raise until like a month later. I happened to look at my check stub and thought, well, wait a minute. <laughs> This is, this is more. <laughs> I must give some back. <laughs> but I, and then I went back a couple of check stubs and said, oh, no, I've, he gave me a raise. And, and he never mentioned it. That's important about the bonuses, though, because I think um, the pro, there were two big projects and you were, had, were leaping. By the, if the corporate culture changes such that bonuses were not something we did and all of a sudden we start giving out bonuses, people who have been around for five, six, ten years in the company who've worked on some pretty important projects – could be slighted. You know, mm. they're going to look and say, oh, how I never got a bonus. Yeah. This guy came whatever. in years yeah. after me and yeah, he worked on that new project, but I worked on these things years, a couple of years ago that were huge. That's the whole reason we have a company now is because of these projects. That did, we didn't get any bonuses back then because times were tight. It was right. a different culture. Right. You know, somebody, sh- it would be nice if somebody thought of, you know, we need to go back to these guys and recognize for what they did back then. Um, I wasn't going to say, oh, important about the perks. I just w- was thinking that you're, once you decide to give a perk like dogs or working from home or free food. You can't take it you away. You can't take it away. Yeah. I've also seen that happen. As soon as you shut yep. that down, yep. it sends all kinds of signals. Horrible messages. You know, like mm-hmm. if we used to have a lunchroom where you could go down and it, we're closing the lunchroom down. Then people oh, start getting worried. I've had thing. that actually happen. Fiscal. Yeah. I've seen that actually happen. People get worried. for a job. Yep. Yep. So, and it was true. I got laid off a few months after they closed that, that cafeteria, cafeteria yeah. down. Yeah. So yeah, if they you're shut absolutely the food right. down, you guys are fired. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> um, but, but <laughs> Update it, is, your resume. it is interesting <laughs> to think about that. Cause like, I mean, you've had, we've probably all been in situations where there was work from home and then it got taken away for a period mm-hmm. of time yeah. because of abuse by somebody. Yep. And it feels like, well, sh- this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. I signed up for being able to work in my pajamas. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, yeah. I didn't abuse it. Why are you punishing me oh, that for was because this one guy did, you know, punish him, get rid of him if you have to, but don't punish the rest of the group for the, the actions kind of, of whole one guy. That it's an that is also part of what work culture, which is we implemented this thing, somebody didn't handle it well rather than dealing with that person because people aren't good at dealing with conflict, especially when it means they might have to fire somebody. Mm-hmm. 
you know, well, we'll just shut down the the whole policy and that will solve the problem. And it's like, it's actually not solving the problem because you, really you still have that you guy. You created a whole new team. problem. And what you really did was punish all of the people right. who were doing it right. Yeah. You took away something from them that they were using right. Yeah. And they don't know who the bad actor was, so they can't, oh, you know, usually, shame usually people know. We all know. We, that's true. I knew. I yeah, knew we anyway. all know. <laughs> yeah, we all know. But, you know, and then as an employee, what's funny is that brings up what I would call the red line rule. Um, you've got a working from home policy. Everything's going along good. And you start to feel like, gosh, more people are more often emailing in in the morning saying, ah, you know, I had this come up, so I'm going to work from home today. Ah, I had this come up. And you can start to feel it where it's yep. going up yep. and there's a feeling of it's being abused and you're going to hit a red line where management says, that's it. No more working from home. They don't, they, they, they don't come out and say, they don't address hey, the guys, problem. We think there's, you know, you're taking a little advantage of this and we'd like to, we'd like to rein in a little bit of, of this impromptu. I'm working from home today. We want to hear about it the day before, you know, yeah. if, if just, you know, let's, let's rein it in a little guys. They don't do that. They I sit know. there. It's, human nature. We sit there, we let it, we stew and, and then see, we overreact more and yep. more and more yep. and more and more. That's it. No, yep. they're taking advantage of me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's the piece where good leaders yes. know how to step in and address issues that they're seeing. They know how to, they can deal with conflict. They can deal with, okay, this is going to be a conversation that's going to be uncomfortable, but we need to have it because there's this other issue and I don't want it to escalate to that point. And that's where leadership matters. And, and I mean, maybe this is a whole new topic, but I think companies, companies back in the day, back in the day, you know, I don't know when this happened, but it seems like within the last 25, 30 years, companies, maybe even sooner, companies realized they didn't have to invest in their leadership. So prior to that, mm -hmm. a lot of companies would actually, you know, when you got promoted to a manager, you were hired as a manager, they would send you to leadership schools, right? right? And a lot right. of the big companies had their own leadership. They had training yeah. training systems as part of the companies. Companies don't do that well, anymore. Well, especially and in to tech, their detriment. it's like, oh, you've been around the longest and you know right. the most about the product. Now you're a manager. And who is the worst person to make a manager often? who's been around the longest well, and who knows also, the most about the technology. Who's a big giant geek who has by no definition, social no social skills yeah. to begin with. Yeah, no, that it's a huge problem in tech. And actually I, I watched a video that somebody posted on LinkedIn, um, Chick-fil-A, one of their four things, their four pathos or whatever that they live by in their company. One of them is leadership matters. Yes. Like we make great leaders because mm -hmm. it matters. And it's not leadership by default or leadership right. by accident. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it comes back to if someone's leaving your company, it's probably not because of your culture. It's because of who their manager is. Yep. And you yep. see that time and time all and time, time again. Which all comes back to the absolute number one thing in being an entrepreneur and building a business and building a startup, finding investors is your team matters most. Teams execute, teams get stuff done or teams don't get stuff done. And it, the team is everything. Your idea can be the best thing on the planet. It can be exactly the right time. It can be in high demand. If you have a crappy team, it's very unlikely that you're ever going to be able to make that happen. So, all right. This has been another episode of Incubate This with Grant Parks, Daryl Brogdon, and Cynthia Delaria from Rica Technologies and GodAnAppIdea.com. And, uh, Go work great. <laughs> I'll see you guys next time. 
Looking for more tips, tricks, and advice for your startup? Visit us online at gotanappidea.com. 